One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about a snake house. <gasps> is this like a spider house? Yes, it's oh! terrible. Oh, is this the snake pit house? Yes, but <gasps> we're still doing the oh, intro. <laughs> and I'll be talking about the cruelty of teenage girls. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. It's so bad. It's so bad that... I How almost, bad is it? I almost did this case before on our Patreon exclusive episode. And I was like, no, this case sucks too much. It's so dark. Then instead I went with the hammer murder. So, well, okay. I don't know what to expect right now, but I am glad we didn't do Timothy McVeigh and whatever the hell this is. No, that's true. That's worse than a hammer murder. Yeah, it's worse. God. Oh, is this like Slender Man 2.0? I mean, what are we... Yeah, it's like Slender Man the prequel. Okay. Yeah. So it happened before that. Happened before yeah, Slender Man. Yeah, I understand Man. what Did a you prequel is. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Do you understand words, Christine? You know, I went to one semester of law school, okay, so I think I'm pretty smart. You when you pull up the Wikipedia page for this case that I'm about to do, at the bottom, you know, when it says, like, see also, yeah. the Slender Man case is listed okay, down there. Great. So I'm so excited. Thanks so much. Yes. Get out of my house. Get out of my house. Any, oh, fuck beans. What'd you do? I just closed a window that I needed open. <laughs> There's no getting that back. No. Who even fucking knows what it was? I'll find it. I mean, I would hope you would know. Nope. Mm. Pause for dramatic effect. Are you feeling dramatic yet? No, I'm feeling like you accidentally closed a window and now I have to sit here (laughs) quietly. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? To talk about a horrible case. I feel like that's how all of my cases start. Yeah, because you do the, these terrible, I tr- I terrible almost, cases. Okay, so like I said, I almost did this for our Patreon episode and I was like, fuck it, I can't do it. And then someone messaged us and was like, hey, have you ever thought about doing this, this case that I'm about case. to do? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, actually, I almost did it because this, she messaged us like two days after uh-huh. that. And I was like, yeah, actually, I almost did it. I did a bunch of research and then was like, fuck that case. And so... Then I decided I was going to do that this uh-huh. week. And then I did a bunch of research and was like, fuck this case. I got to do something lighthearted. Didn't have time to switch. So here comes a horrible here case. Here we are. Okay, great. Okay. Um, so a couple of shout outs to start off. First is from the person who messaged us on Facebook. Her name is Alexis. She said she recommended this case. Um, and her mom went to school with some of the people involved. Okay. I, good. Nope. Nope. Her mom went to school with the murderers. Spoiler alert. There's an S on the end of that. A second shout out to uh, David Lore. Different David than I usually shout out, but still from the crime library. My favorite resource. So they like their Davids over there. I'm also a big fan of Davids. So. Oh, God. (laughs) You see what I did there? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Brandy's got a boyfriend named David, and she (laughs) thinks he's the most. so keen. Why are we in pajamas? <laughs> what are these pillows doing? <laughs> Do you guys know that we have a pillow fight after every time we record a Let's Go to Court After Dark? It's a terrible idea because these mics are expensive. They are, and we're just putting them at risk. 
Let's get started, shall we? I'm so stalling because I don't want to fucking do this You are stalling case. big time. Just get it over with. Let's I'm do just, this. We're, I'm going to pound it out. Oh, <laughs> It's Saturday, January 11th, 1992. We're in Canaan, Indiana. This man, um, Don Foley, and his brother, Ralph Ralph, why did I say that weird? I don't know. You are stalling Ralph. in every way possible. I said Ralph. I know you did. That's not there a name. A w that you that's, not, that's no one's name. His name is Ralph. Well, Ralph on Twitter is going to be really disappointed <laughs> in you. Um, so they were out quail hunting and they spotted something in a, like a soybean field. At first they thought it was a body and then they were like, no way it's a fucking body like this is rural indiana um and they're like must be a blow-up doll <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> that was i that mean that was their immediate like they're like oh of course that this must be a blow-up doll and so they decided they needed to get closer and check it out and at first they were like yeah this is a blow-up doll and then they got closer and realized it was a body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a human body that had been badly charred. Oh. This body had been set on fire. And the body was naked with the exception of a pair of panties. Um, and it had been. Why panties? Underwear. Oh, I don't. I'm sorry. That was a copy and paste. Men love to say panties. Panties. Yeah. I I don't call them panties ever. Yeah. So I had to stop. Underpants. Underpants. Okay. Continue. Okay. So aside from a pair of underpants, Mm -hmm. the body was naked um, and the charring was kind of from the waist up, but it was the, the remains were burnt so badly that identification was impossible they couldn't even tell the the sex of the of the body really Mm. so they called in the police of course this article goes into a lot more detail about the state of the body and i think that's completely unnecessary i'm not going to do it okay um so they called in the police and police get there it's like 10 it's almost 11 o'clock in the morning by the time the the sheriff's office gets there there had not been a murder in this part of indiana indiana in like over three years. And so didn't they didn't really take the call seriously at first. The sheriff was like, surely that's not what's out there. There's no way there's a charred body out here. Um, and so they kind of took their time getting to the scene. And oh, once they got there, they were like, holy shit, this is a dead body. And he quickly realized that the state of the body made this case something way bigger than he had the capacity to be able to deal with himself. And so he called in the Indiana state police for assistance. So he called the sheriff calls in the Indiana state police and they get there sometime after one o'clock in the afternoon. They recorded the crime scene with video cameras, took um, lots of photographs, made castings of tire tracks and footprints around where the body was. And all they were doing all of this to, to collect as much evidence as they could without moving the body at all because they were waiting for a coroner to come and make a determination on you know how this body ended up here was it did it die here was it dumped here you know all of that and so what they discovered in this time was that the victim had been through a lot of torture 
prior to being set on fire. They around the scene, they noticed like a plastic bottle that had get that had been uh, filled with gasoline. So like an old, a small gas gas tank, like one that you use for a mower or something mm-hmm. like that had been discarded kind of in the weir- weeds nearby. Um, and then various other things like that that had just been kind of tossed away from the scene. And when the coroner arrived, they collected hair samples and they were able to remove a ring from the victim's finger. And that showed that it was a when they looked looked at the ring, they discovered that it was a a high school class ring with the initials SGH engraved inside. So again, still really unsure of the age of this victim. By this time, they discovered that it was a female, Mm -hmm. Um, but pretty sure that it was a young female. But other than that, pretty indeterminable as far as who it was or anything like that. Meanwhile, kind of the same time that they're taking stock of this scene, this man and his wife, Clifton and Glenda Lawrence, they're sitting in their home. It's a Saturday evening. They're watching TV when all of a sudden their daughter, Tony, walks through the front door. She had been supposed to be spending the night at her best friend Hope's house. But in walks Tony. Behind her is Hope and Hope's parents. And they all look like... They've got terrible news. The girls are very upset. All of a sudden, as soon as Tony sees her parents, she just starts bawling and trying to say words. But she's crying so hard that the words can't come out. And so her friend Hope's parents send Tony and Hope back to to Tony's bedroom. And they're like, let us talk to your parents and we'll go from there. So they sit down, Tony's parents, um, Clifton and Glenda, and they're like... The girls just came to us and they said that they witnessed a murder earlier today and that the details were super sketchy, but they had enough information that they felt like they were telling the truth. And so Clifton and Glenda, Tony's parents, were like, we have to go to the police immediately But Hope's parents were like, I don't know if that's the right move. I think we should call a lawyer first. And the Lawrence's were like, you do whatever you want. Uh Uh-huh. I'm we're we're going to the we're going to the police station. Yeah. And so it's like nine o'clock that night. Hold on. Hold on. What would you do? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I think it would be. I see the logic in saying we need to contact an attorney first. Yeah. Um, I do see the logic in that, but I think I would probably be like, we just have to go to the police station. What do you think you would do? Well, no, I realized I was saying, uh-huh, with a lot of judgment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if if I had a child and they witnessed something like that, I'd be like, no way in hell are you talking to the police. You're 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 yeah. totally right, because. Yeah. And I knowing what we know, like, yeah. I would I would get the best attorney yep. possible. I'd want it to go very quickly so the police got what they needed quickly. Yeah. But there would be no way I'd put my kid at risk for getting something pinned on them. Absolutely. You're totally right. Thank you. One day I will be an excellent mother of <laughs> a witness to a crime. A witness to a murder. Okay, so it's the same day that the body has been discovered by these two hunters, but tons of time have, has gone by. The... 
crime scene's all been secured. They've gotten all the evidence. They've taken the body back to do an autopsy. Um, and the sheriff, the guy who was originally called in to that initial crime scene, is sitting at the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. And it's like nine o'clock that night when the Lawrences like bust through the front door in a panic. Yeah. They're like, our daughter is saying that she witnessed a murder. We don't know anything really, but we brought her here as soon as we heard this. She needs to talk to someone. We need to figure out if this is real or what happened or what. And so Tony sits down with a detective, the sheriff. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, But she says that she had spent the previous night with her two friends, Hope, who was already right. um, Was the one that she came home with. Yeah. Hope, Hope is 15. Tony is, Oh, gosh. I don't have Tony's age written down. Tony's also 15. So Tony and Hope are 15. So they said that they spent the night together, and then they also spent the night with their other friend, Lori Tackett, who's 17, and that the three of them had gotten in Tony's car and driven and picked up Melinda Loveless, who's 16, and who was a friend of Lori Tackett's. But Tony told detectives that she had never met Melinda before. This was her first time ever meeting her. Okay. They had gone to like a concert for a few hours. And then when they were headed back toward home, Tony and Melinda started, or I'm sorry, Tony told detectives that Melinda started talking about this girl that she hated. Her name was Shanda or Shonda. I think it's Shanda. Okay. And that, She said that Shanda was trying to steal her girlfriend, that her girlfriend had cheated on her with Shanda and that she hated her and she wanted her dead. Oh, yeah. And so I just like for a second, just imagine you're in that situation. You've just gone to a concert like your teenage girls. I mean, we're talking 15 to 17 is the age range here. And all of a sudden you're driving home from a concert. There's this friend of a friend who's in the car with you and is like this bitch slept with my girlfriend, I'm going to kill her. Like, I want to literally murder her. I would think nothing of that. Right. You would think it's somebody talking shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And initially, that was kind of the the feeling. So, Tony gives the police all of the information that she has, and the Lawrences told the police that Hope Rippy had been present for all of this too, but that her parents were talking to a lawyer before they were going to tell the police anything. So the sheriff's kind of sitting with this information, not really sure how much is true, how much of it correlates to a crime scene that he dealt with earlier that day. Could it possibly be the same thing? I don't know. This is crazy. Yeah. And then he gets word of a missing persons report that had been filed Earlier that same day, about eight hours earlier, so about one o'clock that afternoon, for a a 12-year-old girl named Shanda Scherer. A 12-year-old? A 12-year-old girl. Oh. Yeah. The description for that missing girl was that she had blonde hair. She was about five feet tall. She weighed about 100 pounds, and it was the perfect description for the... The Jane Doe that they had found badly burned in that field earlier that day. The sheriff said his heart just like sunk immediately. He was like, 
I have to tell these parents this. And I'm pretty sure now that these other girls are involved in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. He immediately, they immediately got arrest warrants ready for Lori Tackett and Melinda Loveless, the two girls who were mentioned in Tony's statement. Tony, is that right? I yeah. can't remember if it's Tony or Tori now. Tony? Yeah. Is that I what I said? Okay. okay. So these it's are the Tony, two. Tony's what you said this whole time. It's definitely Tony. Okay. I'm sorry. I wanted to say Tori and then I was questioning myself. Yeah. So they get arrest warrants ready for the two girls that Tony had mentioned earlier for Lori and Melinda. And during that time when they're getting like waiting for these arrest warrants to get signed, they get positive ID from dental records that this this yeah. girl that they had found was, in fact, Shanda Sharer. When the detective called Shanda's parents, like, he said immediately when they heard from him, they were so glad to hear of him so oh. soon. It meant that they they felt like it yeah. meant that their daughter had been found safe. Yeah. And because it had, she'd only been missing like eight hours by that point. Eight, ten hours. And instead, he had to deliver this horrible news that she'd been brutally murdered. So, 2 a.m. So, we're talking, like, the longest fucking day of this sheriff's life, I'm guessing, yeah. right? I do want to, like, go back. Yeah. And just say, good for him for when he came upon that scene, he immediately recognized this is... This a- is bigger than what I can handle. Which I feel like that's kind of rare. Uh, super rare, yeah. I feel like like you get, like, the arrogance or the, yeah, I'm not going to let anybody else take my crime scene. I can handle this. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that he had the forethought to be like, I can't mess up this evidence. Yeah. This is way more than I know how to deal with. We got to call somebody in who can handle this better. Yes. And make sure that we're dotting all our I's and crossing all our T's. Yes. Yeah. So it's 2 a.m. They finally get the arrest warrants and they like go in like guns a blazing to Melinda Lovelace's house. So he found out that Melinda Lovelace and uh, Lori Tackett were spending the the night together at Melinda's house because they kind of tracked. They tracked Lori Tackett's car down and it was at Melinda's house. And so they go in, they ring the doorbell there and Melinda's mother comes to the door and they were like, we're here to arrest Melinda and Lori. Where are they? And she was like super confused. It's two o'clock in the morning. Sure. And she's like, they're upstairs. And so they like bust in the bedroom. The ki- the two girls are asleep and they scream at them to get up and get out of bed. And they arrest Whoa. them. Like they went in like Kristen phrase balls to the wall and not fucking around. Ooh. Yeah. Can they you imagine were... being that mom? No. I mean, no. you think you've just hosted an innocent sleepover. sleepover. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're up to Sunday morning, the day after the call came in about the body in the field. And the autopsy is taking place on Shanda's body. And it told quite the story. Shanda had been through a shit ton. Um, There were ligature marks on her wrists. There were lacerations to her head, neck, and legs. Her fingers were in such a defensive position and rigor mortis had already set in that they had to actually in order. What? They had to remove her fingers and able to fingerprint them. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, this poor girl. This poor girl. Her upper body was covered in third and fourth degree burns. I didn't even know fourth degree burns existed. No, No, I thought third was like the worst. Yes. 
her tongue was like clenched in her teeth. Mm. And it was clear that she had been through some kind of trauma, molestation, something. There was some kind of sexual part to this. Um, There was a lot of bleeding to her anus and stuff. Yeah. Terrible. Oh, God. This is the worst this case is terrible. ever. The worst part, the worst discovery that was made during you this autopsy. I've said not. It. It's terrible. Was that there was soot in her airway, which meant that she was alive when she was set oh. on fire. Oh. Yeah. Yep. So. Melinda and Melinda Loveless and Lori Tackett had been arrested by this point. They'd been questioned by police. They'd been each charged with a single count of murder. And in a hearing like their first hearing, a judge moved both of them from juvenile court to adult court. Yeah. It's like they are going to be tried as adults because they are they're 16 and 17. Mm -hmm. And so this has made national news. By this yeah. time, it's a huge deal. How do I not um, remember this? Do you remember this? No, we were super the... young. We okay. would have been six when this happened. Yeah. So, um, and so police are trying to piece together what happened based on the stories that they were told by Hope and and Tony in the beginning, and then what Melinda and Lori have talked about. And so, through all of that, they kind of put together a picture of what Shanda Cher's last hours of her life would have looked like. So I'm going to walk you through it. Okay. And it's fucking horrible. Okay. Just be forewarned. Well, yeah, I, I'm not feeling very optimistic about anything right now. No. So, so we're going to go back to Friday night. So her body was found on Saturday. So Friday night, January 10th, 1992, Melinda is She finds out that her 14-year-old girlfriend, Amanda, had been cheating on her with 12-year-old Shanda. They went to a school dance together. Shanda had recently moved to this town. Her mother and father had recently divorced. They just moved to this town. She was new at this school. She went to a school dance with Amanda. I believe that Melinda did not go to this same school. Okay. And so Melinda finds this out. She's pissed. And she's like... I'm going to show her who's boss. She believed that it was more than just this dance. She believed that they were having like, like sending notes back and forth to each other. And and there's some evidence that that was taking place, but, but they're 12 cares? and 14 year yeah. old girls. So of course they're sending notes. Hundred, it's, Yeah. It's they're 12 and 14 year old girls in 1992. Yeah. There's no text message. There's no emails. Like they're sending notes back and forth yeah. to each other. 100%. Yeah. So she was going to show them, that she had found out and that she was pissed about it. And so her friend Lori Tackett was coming over that night and she knew that she would be more than happy to be. She was like her ride or die. Like, I'll do whatever. Best friends, you know. So they they put together this plan. Um, so Melinda thought that 
even though they were really good friends, she thought that Lori was a little bit weird. And so this is why she thought she'd be so in on this plan because she like dabbled in the occult. And she claimed that she had dreams of killing someone like that was like one of her like she wanted to do it just to see what it would feel like. And oh, all so this. like and so, not not a nightmare. Like no, a, no, 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 no. Like, goal, oh, man. Yeah. Like on her vision on her board, vision board. Yeah. Murder. Wouldn't someone. it be fun? Yeah. Cool. Yes. So. They meet up with Hope and Tony. Um, and like I said, Tony had never met Melinda before and Hope had only met her once or twice. So it's like, you know, kind of like two groups of friends who are tied together by one person. Right. And when you think about these girls, 14, 16 and 17, like that age great age range makes a little bit more sense. But then you've got 12 year old Shanda thrown yeah. in there. Yeah. Like, that makes no sense to me. As the victim, it does. What do you mean? She's not one of us. Oh, yeah. I get what you're saying. We can. She's so much smaller. Yeah. We can, oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 So, um, they had all lied to their parents and said they were spending, you know, the night at, you know, each other's houses and right. they planned to spend the whole night out going sneaking into this concert or going to this concert. And then they were going to lure Shanda to this park and scare her is what the two younger girls thought mm-hmm. the plan was initially um, or what they say they thought the plan was initially. So. They had looked up Shanda's address. They'd never been there before. Um, They had trouble finding it. They had to stop at a couple different places and ask for directions. Ultimately, they found it. So Hope and Tony had never met Shanda. But Shanda would have recognized Melinda, I guess. So Melinda sent Hope and Tony to Shanda's door that night and was like, And they were like, hey, we're friends of Amanda's. Uh She wants to meet up with you tonight at this place at this park, which they called the Witch's Castle. You need to sneak out and meet her or she's not going to be friends with you anymore. She's not going to see you anymore. You know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, well, I I can't go. My my parents are awake. But if you guys come back after midnight, I think I can sneak out. (gasps) Yeah. And so they go and they kill some time and then they come back after midnight and they she they walk up to the house and she's outside waiting for them and so they take her um it's like 12 30 by now and they take her to the car and melinda loveless is hiding in the car because she knows she's already like gotten in like in like an altercation with Shanda by really? this point. Yeah, really? imagine she that, hasn't right? Kept her cool. Yeah, okay. exactly. Amazing. And so she knows that Shanda will immediately recognize her and won't get in the car. Right. If if she's seen. So she's hiding under a blanket in the back seat of the car. And so they get her in the car and like immediate they have her sit like in the middle front seat. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after they close the doors and lock the doors, Melinda like pops up and puts a a knife <gasps> to Shanda's throat. And tells her that she needs to, if she wants to live, she needs to do everything they tell her to do. Holy shit. Yeah. She, of course, like, immediately starts sobbing uncontrollably. She can't think. She can't do anything. She's just, like, trying to do anything they tell her to do, hoping, you know, that... That they don't murder her. They don't murder her. Absolutely. She's 12 years old. 
She's 12 years old. Why did you do this? It's the worst case ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they go to this place in this park called the Witch's Castle, which just is like this abandoned stone building. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like take her jewelry, like they steal her jewelry off of her, except for that ring that she had on. But she had like a she had a Mickey Mouse watch on. They took that from her. Ugh. Yeah. And so they go into the castle. It's all dark. And so they start a fire with an old T-shirt and they they like start taunting Shanda. Lori Tackett told told her that she pointed to the fire and she's like, that's what you're going to look like by the end of the night if you don't do what we say. Yeah. So they've got this fire going and like people. Oh, my gosh, that's get the shit on me. Boo. It was boo. (laughs) Boo jumping down. Boo jumping down scared me. And so cars keep driving by. Like, this isn't really a very secluded area, and they've got this fire going. And so the girls are like, I think we need to move somewhere else. And so they decided they were going to drive to some other, um, a place by Lori Tackett's house, I guess. She was like, there's a place by my house where we can take her. And so they all get in the car and they like drive an hour to Lori Tackett's house. And this whole time they've got like a knife to, to Shanda's throat and whatever. And so they drive to like this, an old logging road. Um, So just like an access road kind of by Lori Tackett's house. And they make, Lori and Melinda get out of the car and they pull Shanda out of the back seat. And it's like, it's January in Indiana. It's mm-hmm. freezing cold. And so Hope and, and Tony stay in the car and they just kind of watch what's going on at this point. They make Shanda strip down, take all of her clothes off. They take her clothes and Melinda throws them in the car and she's like, hold on to those for me. I want those as a trophy. Oh, God. Yeah. At this time, like they start beating her up like Lori pulls Shanda's arms behind her back and Melinda starts punching her and they just like she's begging them to stop and they just keep yelling at her to shut up it's terrible she had braces and like her lips started bleeding Mm -hmm. because like they were hitting her in the mouth and her braces were cutting her lips she fell to the ground because they she they let go of her and she fell to the ground and she's trying to compose herself and they pull out the knife and they actually try to Melinda tries to slit her throat with the knife and the knife is so dull that it <gasps> won't slit her throat. And so she decides she's just going to start stabbing her with it. Oh, God. But they're just like they're they're too shallow. They're not because the knife is dull. They won't do enough. And so she's they're hurting her. Well, yeah, but it's not enough to to kill her. And so they go and they get some rope out of the car and they strangle her until her body goes limp. And then they pick her up and they put her in the trunk. And then they go back to Lori Tackett's house. So they've got her body in the trunk. They're pretty sure she's dead because they've strangled her and they go up and they're in Lori Tackett's room, all four of the girls. um, And they, Lori does like these, I mentioned earlier that she like dabbled in the in the occult and stuff. So she's like doing some uh, readings of some kind, like tarot cards or stones or something like that, okay. t- t- trying to tell their future <laughs> and um, jail. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, Lori notices that her dog is barking and her dog doesn't really bark. And so like they get really quiet and they start listening and they can hear Shanda screaming from the back of Lori 
Tackett's car from inside her trunk. And so Lori runs out there. She grabs a kitchen knife on her way. She opens the trunk and just starts stabbing. No. Mm-hmm. What's okay. happening? You guys, if you can't hear this, this is so scary. Brandy's telling this story and there are like police cars yeah. going right down my Alarmingly road. Alarmingly close. Do you think the mics can pick that up? I don't know. I mean, I don't either. I'm also wondering if they can pick up Boo <laughs> knocking up against stuff. She's never been so loving. I know. She's scared by the sirens too, or this story, either one. Mm-hmm. Um. So she, so Lori has run out to the car. She's opened the trunk and she's just like stabbing away with this kitchen knife. She closes the <sighs> trunk, I guess, when she thinks that she's done enough, and goes back inside. She's covered in blood. And the girls are like, what's going on? And she's like, we need to leave. We need to go for a ride. We have to take care of this. Oh, my God. And Hope and Tony were like, no, thanks. We're done. And so they they stayed at Lori Tackett's house. And Lori and Melinda left. Wow, I can't believe they were allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So around this time, they've, Lori and Melinda have driven off and they're like, we need to find out if Shanda's dead in the trunk or not. And so they open, they pull over, they open it and she sits up. You're kidding me. She's still alive. She tried to speak. This is, ugh. The only words she could get out were mommy. Oh. God. And so Lori reached into the trunk around Shanda's body and grabbed the tire iron and hit her in the what head with the it. What the fuck is wrong yep. with these people? Yeah. Um, and so she knocks her out and she closes the trunk and they get in the car oh, and they drive God. down the road again. So she's still making noises in the trunk. She goes and hits her with the tire iron. She knocks her out. They drive a little bit further. She's still making noises. And so this happens a couple times. Each time she makes a noise, they go, they pull over. Lori Tackett gets out and goes and hits her with the tire iron again and then gets back in the car. Um, She realizes that this isn't going to be enough. And so they decide what they're going to do next. It's like almost dawn by this point. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, we have to, we've taken it this far. Like we have to finish the job and so this is when they decide that they're going to set her on fire I cannot wait for the justice part of this story yes so Shan or I'm sorry Lori Tackett's like oh we have a we have a burn pile at my house we'll just go set her on the burn pile and set it on fire and it'll you know, just take care of itself. Because, I mean, they're teenage girls and they... This is their first murder yeah. and they're idiots. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So they get to the burn pile and, oh shit, it's winter in Indiana. It's all frozen. So they can't... Yeah. They can't start this fire the way they had wanted to. And they didn't have any gasoline. So um, they decided that they would... Try to set her on fire with Windex. What? Yep. 
Yeah. Eventually, they realize that that's not going to work, and they take her out. They manage to get a small amount of gasoline. They take her out to that field where she was found, and they set her on fire. At some point, they sodomized her with a tire. The tire iron is what the um, police believe, but none of the girls ever would admit that they did this. Well, so by that point, it was just two of them, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, so both of them did it. Yeah. If if neither one of them is admitting it. Yep. Which seems really weird that that's where you draw the line, mm-hmm. but okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they... Um, you look like you want to give so up right terrible. now. It's so terrible. Actually, I think that at this point, when they set her on fire, I believe all four girls are there. Because they'd gone back to Lori Tackett's house to burn her on the burn pile. And when that didn't work, they had... Hope and Tony get back in the car with them and oh, go to God. where they were going to finish finish the job. Because after they set her on fire, all four girls went to McDonald's and had breakfast together. You're kidding me. No, and they made jokes about how the sausage that they ate with their breakfast oh, looked no, just stop, like... Stop, stop, Just look, looked just like the body. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. And then... Fast forward to the two girls telling their parents and everybody's arrested and all of that. So now we're up to Melinda and um, Lori have been charged with one count of murder each. And then shortly after that, Hope and Tony are also arrested. And they, Hope and Tony um, were not charged with anything for like two months after this. They weren't charged until March. Okay. Um, so they waited, and I guess, until the full investigation was complete to decide that they would be charged as well. Um, and they were charged with murder, arson, battery with a deadly weapon, aggravated battery, criminal confinement, and intimidation. And during their arraignment, they were both moved to adult court as well. They were not. They were going to be tried as adults, not juveniles. So these girls are 14. They're both 14. No, 15. I'm sorry. They're both 15. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, that's pretty young to be deciding they're not going to be tried as juveniles. I don't, I honestly don't understand why we have these rules. If you can just say we're not, yeah, you're not going to do it. Yeah. We're just going to waive them from juvenile court and move them into the adult system. Not that they don't sound like monsters, but I really, I I totally agree. Absolutely. I don't understand either. Um, and then shortly after that, additional charges um, were filed against Melinda and Lori to reflect all of the torture that Shanda yeah. had been through. So in April of 1992, so about a month after she was charged, Tony Lawrence actually accepted a plea deal with the state in exchange for. For her testimony against the other three girls. So she remember, she is the first one who went to the police. Right. So when Hope's parents were calling up a lawyer and not letting her talk to the police, Tony was in there telling the sheriff everything that she had witnessed. So they offer her a deal um, that in exchange for testimony against the other three girls and a guilty plea. So she's not getting off with nothing. She will be. She all she will have to plead guilty to is the charge of criminal confinement. Mm-hmm. All of the other charges would be dropped. 
Um, and she, that would with that one charge, she would face six to 20 years behind bars. Wow. Yeah. And they would leave. And the deal said that they would leave the sentencing up to the judge's discretion. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't saying like you'll get this many years. You'll you're still facing six to twenty years, but you're agreeing to testify against the other three girls. What do you think about that deal? I mean, if she's facing six to twenty years, I I don't know. I also I have a problem with this going to adult court because these yeah. were not adults. They, yeah, and. I, I'm struggling with what to say here, but I feel like I can see how it would be hard if you were younger in that position and all of a sudden you're in someone else's car. Yeah. You can't you even think, legally drive yet. You think you got in the car to go scare a girl yeah. and then it escalates and you are now a 15-year-old girl at the mercy of a 17-year-old girl. Which is a huge age gap at that at age. At that age, it really is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I would have done. The, I think that's that's why I'm I'm feeling so conflicted. Is I kind of yeah. feel like I would have been scared shitless, and I don't I don't know that I would have done the right so thing necessarily. The prosecutor's big point of contention with Tony and Hope is that yes, they were probably manipulated into participating in this but there was a large portion of the evening where they were left alone at Lori Tackett's house when they could have called somebody they could have let somebody know what was going on and they didn't sure um and that's fair yeah but again I think when you're that age you can get into this dumb thing of I'm gonna get in trouble yeah if blah 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 yeah I'm going to get in trouble if my parents find out I used a fake ID to get into this bar. So I'm going to get in the car with the drunk person to Mm -hmm. take me home. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I'm going to get in trouble because I lied to my parents and said I was spending the night at Hope's house. Yes. And I'm at Lori's house instead. It's it's that childish thinking to me that that makes me not feel like this is so clear cut. Mm -hmm. Oh, they should have picked up the phone. Yeah. Obviously, they should have picked up the phone and called the police. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So people were pissed about this, this plea agreement that the prosecution offered this to her. Um, but prosecutors they said thought it was too lenient. Yeah, they thought it was way too lenient. Wow. But the prosecutor said that they needed someone who was an eyewitness. Yeah, you do. You, you do. do. I completely agree. I think this makes sense. I mean, to offer an uh, to offer a plea deal. Yes. Yeah. Six to 20 years is not that, nothing. I know. I know that. Yeah. That's your formative years. Mm -hmm. Around that same time, the prosecution offered deals to all of the girls Mm -hmm. and the rest of the girls turned them down multiple times. And then in July of 1992, the prosecution announced that they would be seeking the death penalty against Melinda Loveless and Lori Tackett. Hope Rippy's age prevented that from being, she was young enough that they could not file um, death penalty. I don't know what they say, intent? They call it specifications in this 
article, but I've never heard it called that either. Oh, well, I mean, I, an intent to seek the death penalty. Yeah, yeah, she was okay. young enough that they could not do that, but they... And they couldn't just override that. <laughs> Apparently not. Okay. Apparently that's a hard and fast I'm rule. I'm glad we've got some hard yes, and fast rules. Yeah. Um, around this same time. So that happened in July and August. Um, Tony Lawrence made a had made a suicide or attempted suicide in her cell in jail where she was awaiting, you know, her own sentencing and awaiting testifying at the other girls trials. Um, so she was at this time, she was, had been described, had been described, had been pres- prescribed uh-huh. um, an antidepressant, lorazepam. Sure. And she was tonguing her meds every night and saving them up. And she took them all at one oh. time to try and commit suicide. So from August to October, she was held um, in a mental health facility. And then uh, she was transferred back to jail after yeah. they deemed her no longer a suicide risk, I guess. Um, during that time in September, Melinda Lovelace and Lori Tackett decided to take plea deals to get the death penalty taken off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, both would plead guilty to murder and torture um, and to arson and criminal confinement. In exchange, all of the other charges would be dropped and they would withdraw the death penalty. The agreement specified that they would both cooperate and with the trial that was still planning to take place for against. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, Hope Rippy. She was still maintaining her innocence at this point. She was she was had turned down several deals. She's going to get the brunt of this. And isn't her she? parents were making statements like that um, they were going to fight this and that, you know, there was no way that she. She was going to that she was going to beat this. Yeah. Well, that's just crazy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's completely ridiculous. There's no way you're getting off without anything. Yeah. It would be way better to take a deal, which I, I won't keep you. Ultimately, she ends up taking a deal. Oh, OK. OK. Yes. I, I OK. I you was were worried that she was going to take the whole. Yeah. They were I all going to testify against yes, her. And, she, and yes. then, you know, potentially yep. the person who wasn't a real key player. would. Yep. Yikes. Yeah. So in November of 1992, both Melinda um, Loveless and Lori Tackett had their um, plea hearings where they admitted their actions against, I mean, to some degree admitted what they had done Mm -hmm. to Shanda that night. um, And their sentencing hearings were set for December. The following day, Hope Rippy's trial date was set for the following spring. So her trial was set to begin in March of 1993. I've already told you she ends up taking a deal. So let's let's get to sentencing. Okay. What do you think? What do you think's gonna? Well, the main two have to get life in prison without the possibility of parole. That has to happen. Mm. Hmm. Brandy. Hmm. If you tell me they're out right now. Mm-hmm. I told you this case is horrible. Well, what the fuck? So December 14th, 1992 was the beginning of Melinda Lovelace's sentencing hearing. The courtroom was packed. There's media from right. all kinds of national outlets all over the place. Um, the prosecutor laid out in vivid detail what happened to Shanda that night, the torture, the murder, 
all of it. And then over the next several days, Tony Lawrence, Lori Tackett, and lots of friends and acquaintances of Melinda Lovelace were called to testify um, against her. All the people, the men who had discovered the body testified. The detective who had been the first on the scene testified. Um, several members of Shanda's family made statements. And of course, the most impactful, the most heart-wrenching statement came from Shanda's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she began by playing a video, which was like a slideshow of photos of Shanda at different stages in her life. And as the photos went by, she like narrated them and said what Shanda was doing in each of the pictures. And then following that, um, she read a statement and she spoke for like 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. She said, it has obviously shattered all of our lives. I speak for all of us when I say, I don't think there's anything worse than bearing your own child. I can't control my emotions most of the time. And I cry because I want my baby back. I want her home for Christmas this year, but I can't have her. This year, I didn't get to buy Shanda any presents. There are no presents for her under my tree. Melinda has cheated me out of being with my daughter during this life. It is my wish for you, Melinda, that you live your life with memories of her screams and the sight of her burned and mutilated body. I'm not sure who you love most in your life, Melinda, whether it be your mother or father, but I want you to imagine them in the trunk of that car. I want you to imagine the person you love the most begging and screaming for their life. I want you to imagine that person being the person lying on the ground who was burned and mutilated. Maybe then, and I doubt this seriously, you could feel a small portion of the pain our family feels. The proper punishment for Melinda would be to place her in a cell with pictures of Shanda's burned body and force her to constantly listen to a tape of my daughter screaming like she did that night. Wow. I hope and pray you remember these words for the rest of your life. May you rot in hell. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. So she was the last person to speak at Melinda's sentencing hearing and then the judge made a statement he said that he was not going to sentence her that day he was going to wait until after Lori Tackett's sentencing hearing and pronounce both girls sentences at the same time what is the point of that the drama I don't I mean, know that's, that's it weird. right that's really I think strange. that's terrible to do to Yes. To Shanda's parents. Yes. Yeah. Get it over with. I yeah. Yeah. Did did the judge give any reasoning for that? Not that I found. Oh, yeah. I don't like it at yeah. all. So Lori Tackett's sentencing hearing began December twenty eighth, nineteen ninety two. So the neck the following week after okay. after Melinda's ended. And it was nearly identical to Melinda's. They called the same witnesses. They, you know, presented the same horrible, vivid details about what happened that night. But Melinda Lovelace actually testified as part of her agreement. She had to testify at this. And so 
the girls were sentenced on January 4th, 1993. That's a long fucking time for them to have to wait after Melinda's sentencing okay, hearing. When are you going to tell me their sentences? Because I am like creeped out over here. So Melinda was sentenced first and the judge um, began by citing all of the factors that were involved in the case, the gruesome nature of the crime, the victim's age, and then he laid out all of that stuff and then he sentenced her to 60 years in prison, which was the maximum allowed under the plea agreement. Really? Yeah. She pled guilty to murder and torture. 60 years. That shocks me. I, it shocks me, too. Yeah. Um, and this is what the judge said to her as he delivered his sentence. He said, you still have time to turn your life around and do something good and useful with your life after prison. Shanda Sher does not. I hope you take advantage of this opportunity. Melinda like sobbed uncontrollably when she was delivered her sentence and she was sobbing as she was led from the courtroom and mm-hmm. taken, you know, to prison following that. Um, like immediately after Melinda was taken from the courtroom, Lori Tackett was brought in and, and he, the judge went through the same thing. He yeah. did all the details and she was sentenced to the exact same um, sentence, 60 years. In contrast, though, she had no response to it. No emotional reaction. She didn't even flinch when she was given her sentence. There you go. Yeah. And she was the ringleader, right? Yeah. So it was it was Melinda who was mad at Shanda. Right. But she specifically enlisted Lori Tackett because she thought that she would go along with well, it, that she Lori would do it. Well, and Lori was the one who had the oh, idea to burn her, yes. her body. And yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, two days after the sentencing of Melinda and Lori, Shanda's parents actually filed a $1 billion lawsuit against all four girls. So this is super common. We've heard of this before yeah. yep. where they do it just to block the girls from being able to make any money off of their selling their stories or doing anything right. like it. Because apparently it was being talked about a lot that Lori Tackett was like shopping her story. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I know that the, the, suit was kind of settled or dismissed but Mm -hmm. either way a judge did block them from making any money off of their stories tony lawrence was the next to be sentenced she was sentenced in uh january 19th of 1993 um her hearing in contrast only lasted a couple days the other sentencing hearings had lasted you know a week or two weeks um uh and investigators actually got up and and testified in her defense and praised her for um, her core, her cooperation and being the one to come to the police. And Tony Lawrence spoke at her sentencing. She read a statement specifically to Shanda's family. She said, I'm so sorry about your little girl. I know that you can never forgive me for being with those girls on January 10th and 11th and 11th, but I would like to explain some things to you. I do feel very much remorse for your daughter. I've been locked up for 10 months, and that time has been a living hell. I've had nightmares where I wake up screaming and can't stop to think for a second without seeing Shanda's burned body or hearing her screams. I was terrified of Melinda and Lori. Melinda had a knife and was going to kill Shanda. I know I should be punished, but in my heart, 
Seeing Shanda tortured and burnt was punishment in itself. I didn't get help because I was scared they would kill me too. That night and morning will live visibly in my mind for the rest of my life. I know you have the right to hate me. I wish there was something I could do for you. But all I can say is how very sorry I am. I mean, I think that's what we were had already said a little bit. Like, yeah, I I think she was probably scared. I do, too. I completely believe that she would have been scared for her own life. Yeah. Following that statement, Shanda's mom gave up, stood up and gave her her victim impact statement, her her reply, really. Right. She said, I sat through three sentencing hearings and had to look and listen to my daughter's murderers day after day while they lied and put on acts worthy of an Oscar. I see attorneys trying to convince everyone that these girls are victims. The victim here is Shanda Renee Scherer and her family and friends. Tony could have saved my daughter's life that night at any given time. She chose not to. I mean, yeah. I think that's a completely reasonable <laughs> I know, position I know. for her to have. Yeah. Ultimately, Tony was sentenced to 20 years in prison, which was the maximum sentence that was allowed under her plea agreement. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, Hope Rippey um, had held out. She was going to go to trial. It was going to start in March, and she ended up taking that plea deal as well. Um, her sentencing wasn't until June of 1993. And the defense made a motion to, because of the publicity that had been around this, to move her sentencing to uh, South Bend, Indiana. At her hearing, uh, Hope made a statement saying that her only action against Shanda had been pouring the gasoline on her body. That's the only thing that she did. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Good for her. Yeah. So following her statement, the defense also called a psychologist to the stand, and he stated that Hope was... At the end of the day, she was immature and she had acted solely under the domination of Melinda and Lori. But Tony, Lori and Melinda all testified and painted that, you know, they can't they as part of their deals had to testify and they testified that she was actively involved in the whole thing. The prosecution also called all of the same witnesses from the previous hearings. And the last to testify was, of course, Shanda's mother. Um, And she once again showed that video of those photos. And she became angry because Hope wouldn't watch. Oh. She looked down the whole time. And so she she actually asked the judge to stop it Mm -hmm. and to make her watch. And the judge ordered Hope to watch the video. Well, yeah, she fucking should. Yeah, she fucking should. 100% she should. And so following the video again, um, Shanna's mother made a brief statement. She said, imagine how you would feel if someone did this, did to your niece what you did to my child. You cannot know the pain we felt. There is no greater pain than losing your child. Hope was sentenced to 60 years but 10 of it was suspended for mitigating circumstances. So the fact her age was the mitigating okay. circumstance. Um, so for that 10 years that would be suspended, she would be placed on probation. Mm-hmm. And the judge said, so she actually had a different judge than the other ones did because she had held out for so much longer. And so this judge at her sentencing said, Hope Rippy had choices. There were avenues of escape, ways to help herself, ways to help Shanda. She poured the gasoline so no one would get caught even though she knew it would kill Shanda. Her lack of mercy, of tender, courage, 
is a horrifying lesson to us all. So that was the last of the sentencing. And following that, um, Shanda's mother made one of her first statements to the press. She Mm -hmm. said, I don't know what normal is anymore. I'm not the person I was when Shanda was here. I'm going home to my new grandbaby who was just born. You have to move on, I guess. Shanda's with God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where are they now? They're all out, right? Good behavior? In the 60-year cases. On December 14th, 2000, 24-year-old Tony Lawrence walked out of prison. You're kidding. After serving nine years of her 20-year sentence. Yep. Wow, I thought she would serve more than that. Nine okay. years. Good behavior. Good behavior is typically about half your sentence. Okay. Yeah. Following her release, she made a statement to um, one of the local television stations. She said, I didn't stop it. I couldn't stop it. I don't care what anyone else says. If I had tried anything different, I would have been dead lying there with her and they would never know. Mm. I mean, maybe, maybe. Maybe. I feel really weird that I'm oddly sympathetic. I know. It is. Yeah. On November 3rd, 2004, Hope Rippey's prison sentence was um, reduced. So she got the 60 years, but 10 of it was suspended. Her sentence was reduced to 35 years by an appeals court. The appeal judge said that he believed that... Um, oh, I'm sorry. The appeal the appeal judge was a woman. Oh, okay. Jenny. That's typically a, a woman's name. <laughs> um, she said that she felt that Hope was remorseful and likely to be productive in society. Um, she said in making her decision to reduce the sentence that she took into account um, the fact that Hope had gotten her bachelor's degree and while in prison and that she'd spent time training seeing eye dogs and speaking to various youth groups. Shanda's mother was enraged by this reduction in sentence. She made a statement afterwards saying she's taken every class. She's gotten every degree she can get with my tax dollars. She's done everything she can to get out early, but it's just wrong. She said the only thing she wanted was for hope and the others to serve their full sentences Mm. on April 28th, 2006 hope Rippy was released from prison. Lori Tackett was released on January 11th, 2018, after serving 26 years of her sentence. Wow. January 11th. She was released on the 26th anniversary (gasps) of Shanda's death. You're kidding me. No. Oh, that was an error. Yeah. 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 Oh, my. Yeah. Melinda Loveless is the only one of the girls who remains behind bars. She has filed multiple appeals to get her sentence reduced. Among them was an argument that she was profoundly affected by childhood abuse in her home. So this actually turned into something. It actually resulted in um, her father being arrested and charged with various uh, charges of abuse and battery and sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, all but one of the charges were dropped because it was determined that the statute of limitations was up and he ended up pleading guilty and getting like probation or something like that. But ultimately, all of her appeals were denied. Um, But she is scheduled for release 
in September of 2019. What? Yep. And that's the fucking terrible case of the murder of Shanda Share. I will say, I do believe... I believe that Tony believed that she would have been killed. Well, I was just going to say, I believe... Was it Melinda who said she was abused? No. Yeah, Melinda said she was abused, yes. Yeah. It would shock me if you could do that to a person and not have And not have had some kind of... Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But, yeah, you weren't far off. Almost all of the girls are are already out of prison and one will be released in a month. The last one. Grief. Yeah. Well, they're women now. Women. Yeah, they're not girls anymore. Yeah, they're women. Uh, Yep. Oh, that was... Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a terrible case. Thanks a lot. Please tell us some, about something better. Well, this... Well, okay. It's snakes. Nobody fucking dies, right? You're right. No one dies. And now I feel like a total asshat for even saying this. I'm just really afraid of snakes, so... <laughs> <laughs> this is a really scary one to me. I'm not, I'm not no, making a no, comparison. No, no, no. Absolutely to- no. But that's how... That's how my spider was yeah so you inspired me yeah with your spider case yeah you did a case a few weeks ago where this couple bought their dream home turned out it was run by spiders run by spiders yeah overrun i think is the phrase no i'm thinking like they check you in they check you out like they they own, they own the, the house yeah <laughs> so after you did that one in yeah. our discord we have you know these different like chat rooms yeah so to speak one of them is a case suggestion mm-hmm. area. So someone suggested the case I'm about to cover. Yeah. And you had nightmares about it? I read the article. I'll tell you why later. But I did have nightmares about uh-huh. it. I hated it. I was like, this is the worst suggestion ever. I'm not yeah. doing it. And also the person, and I'm sorry, I didn't write their name down because when you because scroll Because you hate back, them. <laughs> No, when you scroll back in the Discord, I remember the article had a photo of a bunch of snakes on yeah. it. And I'm sorry, person who has suggested it, I didn't want to look at the photo of snakes Excellent. anymore. And by the way, the articles I pulled from for this had no photos of snakes in them. You exclusively went with articles that had no photos. When I look at a snake, a photo of a snake, whatever, I have a nightmare about a snake that night. So... Casey, my sister Casey, is exactly the same way. She's terrified of snakes. And, like, just seeing a photo of a snake terrifies her. I am terrified of spiders, but I don't have that same reaction to a photo of a spider. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder why that is. I don't know. But if if there was a spider on the ceiling right now... I would be like paralyzed oh, with fear. You would there would be a brandy shaped hole there in would. the wall. There you would, would just be gone. Yeah. No, I I get it. Um anyway. Okay. What? I I don't Okay. I also am going to say one more thing. Okay. Something I cut out of a previous episode. Uh-huh. So I told you that I thought it was really brave of you to share how afraid you oh, were you're of right. spiders. Yeah, because you thought somebody was going to intentionally kind of Scare me with spiders. You're afraid yes. that's going to happen to you with snakes now. So here's how afraid I am of snakes. I don't tell people I'm afraid of snakes. Yeah. Because I am afraid that they will then use that against, against you. me. Yeah. 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 You've never had a snake experience, though, have you? You're just afraid of snakes. Okay, this is so stupid. 
because I know this can't be real. Yeah. But I have this memory of being like five years old. Mm-hmm. I was out playing alone in my, my backyard. I had like a little kid shovel. Yeah. And there was this pile of dirt. Yeah. And I scooped just a little off the top. Yeah. And I swear, my memory is that I saw like a snake's back going uh-huh. through the dirt pile. Yeah. Maybe it's possible. It's possible, I, don't know. I think. But I ran to the house, was terrified. Yeah. Also, I spent so many summers at Vacation Bible School. I'm sure there's some biblical shit mixed yeah, in there, probably. too. But yeah, I'm I'm just very afraid. That's totally fine. No judgment here, Kristen. Thank you. Judgment-free zone. We're just like a Planet Fitness That's on right. this podcast. That's <laughs> exactly right. We have Pizza Wednesdays. Okay. <laughs> we actually I, have Nacho Wednesdays, but, you know, close enough. I've got to say, so, so I... I'm a Planet Fitness member. That's correct. And we are not sponsored by them. Yes. Obviously, because I'm about to say something nasty. You don't feel like it's a judgment-free zone? Well, it's totally not. Yeah. But also, who brings cheap pizza into a giant room that smells like sweat? It is the worst. Those Pizza Wednesdays are disgusting. (laughs) And they need to hear it from me, I guess. It is nasty. It is nasty. Okay, here we Do go. Do you feel hmm? better working out on purple equipment than if it was just like black? Does it make you, know you feel more excited? Actually, yeah. So they have a purple and yellow theme yeah. going on. It's bright in there. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay. All right. All right. I was just curious. I'm never s- I've never been inside of Planet Fitness. Brandy, please don't interrupt me. I'm about to give them my promo code for Planet <laughs> Fitness. <laughs> no, it's um I like it, but it gets really crowded. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yep. So I used to have a 24-hour fitness uh-huh. membership for years. And I... You'd go at 3 in the morning? I did. I would go really... Really? Like, well, not 3 in the morning, but I'd go at like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's and then my dad was constantly worried that I was going to be abducted in the parking lot. Yeah. It's my dad for you. <laughs> I, <laughs> was this gym in Missouri? Because... No. Oh, oh, God. If I went to one in Missouri, Kristen, I... Oh, he wouldn't have made it. <laughs> He would accompany you to the gym every night. <laughs> no, I went to the one on Shawnee Mission Parkway. It's not there anymore. But yeah. yeah, I went to that one for years. Well, I'm glad you survived. I did. Okay. There was a peeping Tom there. No. What are you Yeah, it was one of the employees. He was <gasps> peeping in the women's. No. Yeah, it was the guy that signed me up for my membership, like, initially. Wait, how? Okay. This, that Tom- was like, dates all the way back to when we were in high school. No. Yeah. Tell me everything. Yeah, it was this guy. Um, he was super nice guy. Sure. Yeah. I bet he was really happy. Yeah, he signed me up for my membership and really liked him. He showed me around the whole place. And then yeah, like two weeks after that, he was fired and like they some women caught him being a peeping tom in the women's locker room. Yeah. That is nasty. Yeah, it's horrible. Ugh. Yep. And like apparently he'd been suspected of it. But nobody could prove it. And then somebody caught him Man. red-handed. Where do, you, where do you think that term red-handed comes from? Okay, I think it's old-timey. I think that you had to... Oh, somebody... Is it like the ink? Yeah, I think so. I We better look this up. Yeah. What you got? Ooh. What? The expression caught red-handed has its origins in Scotland around the 15th century. Given how it was used in its earliest references, the phrase red hand or red hand, one word, sorry, I yeah. guess I didn't really mean to read that, um, 
referred to people caught with blood on their hands. Oh. From murder or poaching. There was blood everywhere. Yeah. Wow. That was much more literal than I would have ever imagined. Same. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's according to mental floss, so. Well, they're never wrong. (laughs) And neither are we. That's right. Here we go. Okay, let's talk about snakes, baby. (sighs) No. (laughs) You didn't like that? I hate snakes. You thought it was kind of clever. No? No. Let's talk about snakes, baby. Let's Let's talk talk about about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about snakes. Let's Let's talk talk about snakes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. It was 2014. Uh You are really like having you. You look like me when I had to do this part. I had to do like somebody made us do these cases. (laughs) Do you remember that time when we had the gun to our head? Forced me to do the spider case. (laughs) Why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know. I just, you know what? You know what it was? I felt guilty when I brought that up with you about like basically saying, wow, you really put yourself out there. That was kind of dumb. Yeah. And you seemed kind of. I was like, well, see, here's my thing, is okay. that I have way too much trust in humanity that no one would do you that do. terrible you thing You really do, me. but my thinking was, <laughs> you know, we say our biggest fears, yeah. and people are going to use yeah. them against us. And I've already revealed my other biggest fear. Okay, spiders and what? Clowns. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you whispered that, so, so no nobody heard <laughs> Can you bleep that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, you don't have to bleep it. I've already talked about it on here. Okay. Remember? Don't you remember that time that clown followed us around the mall? Yes, I remember because you like lost your mind. I was terrified. You were. You okay now? I mean, it's been like 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> okay. It was 2014 and Jeff and Jody Brooks were on the hunt for a house. They wanted a place that they could live in for the next 20 years. So they did what anyone who has ever shopped for a house has done. They went to houses, looked around, made decisions. Typically, that's something you do with your real estate agent. Mm -hmm. Your agent lets you into the house. They lock up afterward. Yeah. Pretty standard. Yes. But when Jeff and Jody wanted to look at this, like, modest ranch house in rural Annapolis, Maryland, they learned that things would go a little differently. The seller's agent would have to be there. In fact, the seller's agent would arrive a little early before they got there. (laughs) Okay, red flag, red flag, red flag. Now, hold on, hold on. Red flag. (laughs) So she would be there just to unlock the house, Mm -hmm. uh, turn on some lights, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure it was presentable. And get rid of all the snakes. (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to pause here. My dad's a real estate agent. Yeah. um, And we've looked at way too many houses together. The one thing I can say is that at a certain price point, like a really high price point, sometimes this will happen. Not always, but sometimes the the seller's agent will insist upon being there. This was not at that price point. Yeah, no. But... It makes maybe a little more sense when you hear the, the background. I, when I was a teenager, uh-huh. when my parents were, my dad and Lisa, when they bought the house that, um, that we lived in by, by the high school. Right. 
the house, we looked at another house that same night that we looked at that house, and like the family was there at the house. It was so fucking weird. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, let's, let's pause. Bad idea. People. Yeah. People go into your homes. Okay. By the way, my house is on the market right, right now, now. So this is like very fresh. Yes. People go into your home. Because they want to test drive it as their own home. Yeah. And if you're there and a bunch of your knickknacks are around yeah. and your family photos are no. around, yeah, it ruins no. it. Yeah. By the way, my mom once toured a home where the couple was there and the guy was massaging the woman's no! feet. No! <laughs> and that's how they got this the home they live you. in now. <laughs> and then you winked at your mom. Yeah. <laughs> Winked at Sheree Ray. <laughs> hey, I could be worked into this deal. <laughs> I think a cash offer could really help. <laughs> so the deal is that this seller's agent, whose name is Barbara Van Horn, mm-hmm. was related to the seller. In fact, the seller was her mom. Okay. And plus, Barbara lived right next door. Okay. So, so she just pop on over. Yeah, so she pops just over. Just sweep those snakes right out of there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, no, this is a totally normal house. Oh, okay. Calm down, okay? okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> like I said, nothing weird going on here. Jeff and Jody pulled up to the house. Okay, so I've got the location here. I'm, well, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna tell you the location. I'm gonna ask you not to Google it just yet. I'm gonna have you Google it at the end Why? to look through the pictures. Oh, okay. Because you haven't given the reveal that there's snakes in the house yet. No, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) Located at 631. Can I type it in? Sure. 631 Mm -hmm. Truxton Road, T-R-U-X-T-O-N, Annapolis, Maryland. Okay. I'm ready to go. So they pull up to this thing. They are charmed. It's not some flashy house. It's just a modest home. But... It was like exactly what they wanted. Yeah. There was an office for Jody on the main floor. Little Thomas and Lily could each have their own bedroom. Oh, each have a 50 pet snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not jump ahead. Right now we're in the happy part of the story. I'm sorry. <laughs> there was a spacious backyard, Brandy. Oh, well, the snake pit. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, the location. They were just a quick bike ride away from Jody's parents. It was the perfect place to raise a family. <laughs> okay, guys. Brandy had Brandy has some hair down by her. I think I was attacked by something. It was a snake. Just yeah, right in your ear. Okay. Now, okay. There was one minor issue. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, a neighbor mentioned that the house had a snake problem. Mm. So they asked Barbara about it. And they say that Barbara was very reassuring. Yeah, we use, you know, it's a stone basement. You occasionally get a snake in there every now and again. We've gotten that taken care of. I wouldn't worry about it at all. You are good. You are so good. <laughs> so she said, there are no snakes in the house. Uh-huh. Um, I swept them all. The neighbor, the neighbor was mistaken. They say that Barbara even told them that she'd hired an exterminator to perform a snake treatment. And what the fuck is that? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so they perform this snake treatment, which is when you massage the snake. <laughs> That's exactly what that sounds like. And then he'd conducted an infrared study. So it was all good. Oh, okay. Okay, neighbor was maybe working with old information. Oh, okay, when maybe they like had one or two snakes. I, yeah. I don't know. We looked at a house when I was a kid that had a stone basement. That's why uh-huh. I said that. And the realtor told my mom that occasionally they get snakes in there because oh. of the basement. My mom's like, that. thank you so much. We'll see you later. Yeah. I wouldn't even look. I'd be like, and we're well, I think done. my mom did not go into the basement because of it. Like, yeah. she was, like, getting ready to go down there. And the realtor was like, you know, it is an older home. It's a stone basement. I believe it was, um, like, over off Antioch somewhere. Okay. Anyway, um, I was... Seven, probably. So yeah. I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, I believe my mom was like getting ready to go down <laughs> to the basement where the laundry was. Uh-huh. And the realtor said something about it being a stone basement. And occasionally you get snakes down there. And my mom like reversed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would dash out of a house like that. I remember loving the house because it had like a converted attic that like would be where my bedroom was. Yeah. Like you yeah, went I like up those. a cool yeah, sure. flight of stairs and then like. Away from the snakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Snake free attic. You hope. Yeah. Okay, so Jody and Jeff were relieved. Mm-hmm. The house was perfect. There was absolutely nothing wrong with it. It for sure wasn't crawling with snakes. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you just see a snake? No, I just, like, I get shivers. <laughs> we are a fucking mess. <laughs> my hair tickled my ear. <laughs> and uh, I thought I was being attacked. <laughs> so they knew they had to have it, so they made an offer. And are you ready for the good news? They got it. They got it. Yeah, there were no other offers on the table. <laughs> uh, they did a home inspection in November, and it went great. There were no snakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that when snakes hibernate? Is mm-hmm. that a thing? Very good, Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I should say, I don't know if they hibernate, and I'm not Googling it because nope. I might come across a picture of a snake, but I know they are certainly not as, not active, as active in the winter. Excellent. Great. Oh, God. So they closed on the house in December for $410,000. and it's expensive. I know. It's funny because I saw the house price before I saw a picture of the house. And, and you I was saw like, it and you're like, mm. I was like, man, they weren't kidding when they said modest ranch. <laughs> Jeez. Come on down to Kansas City. I know. The housing prices are amazing here. <laughs> Things were awesome. They put in a swing set for the kids. They painted bedrooms. But the house had kind of a strange scent. A musk, if oh, you will. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, so it had this funky oh, musk gosh. that they couldn't quite place. You know, probably the sort of thing that you go in it and you're like, we'll just clean it and it'll be we'll fine. paint. That'll cover up. Like, oh. Yes. Mm. Maybe um, the old owners had a cat. <laughs> yeah, a real musky cat. <laughs> Then they noticed this stuff on the floor that looked kind of like coffee grounds. Oh my god, what is that snake shit? Yeah. Ah! Okay. And then all of a sudden there were these snake skins in the basement. Mm. You know why snake skin is bad? Because it means there's the presence of snakes? Yes, and then also that that snake is now bigger. (laughs) (laughs) One day... Oh, this is gross. One day, they found a small black rat snake stuck to a sticky pad on the basement floor. 
Okay. Then the weather started to warm up. Oh, no. And they started hearing sounds. There was like <laughs> movement in the house, but none of them were moving. Oh, no. The snakes are in the walls. Are the snakes in the walls? Pretty soon. Are the snakes in the walls, Christian? <laughs> Jeff and Jody realized that the sounds and the movement were coming from inside the walls. Oh, there's snakes in the walls! <laughs> snakes everywhere. Snakes. Oh, God. Oh, this is disgusting. <laughs> this is the worst. Soon... Casey's you know, going to be so pissed at you, just so you know. I'm pissed at myself. <laughs> I was reading this today before you came over, and I was like, I can't believe I did this. Um, oh, God. So, you know, the war- weather's just getting warmer and warmer, and the snakes are, like, moving and grooving all <gasps> up in their walls oh, everywhere. No. Oh, no. Um, oh. Okay, so then they started seeing the snakes. Oh, gosh. Their home was just, like, there's no other way to put it. It was just infested with black rat snakes, which, I know, they're not poisonous, but they were fucking snakes! They can be up to seven feet long. What the fuck? You haven't even heard the worst part. They can live up to 25 years apiece. These fuckers are everywhere! (laughs) (laughs) You said apiece! What for 25 years. That'd be bad enough? <laughs> each of them can live for 25 years. Of course you would be each of them. <laughs> okay, so you might be thinking, if you're some kind of snake apologist or something, <laughs> snake that like, oh, well, at least the good thing with like these really big snakes is like, they can't get into tiny places. No, because the babies are tiny. And, get this, these fuckers can be oh god they can be seven feet long just chubby as hell and they can fit through <laughs> chubby as hell. they can fit through oh god oh a a space about the size of a half dollar no yes. oh, gosh. this is terrible and these snakes oh my god i'm not done these snakes are like one of the articles I read, which, by the way, the Capital Gazette did amazing reporting on this, and they didn't include a bunch of pictures of snakes. So Winners. Thank you. They referred to them as acrobatic because these snakes can climb brick walls. They can just mm, slither yeah, on up. I've seen that. No, stop. Mm-hmm. They can squeeze themselves into a home with ease. And, you know, come wintertime, they're just like us. All they want is to curl up in a warm, cozy space, like your home, with like, I don't know, a book and a, <laughs> <laughs> and a, a glass of scotch. They got like a, a wool sock on their yeah. tail. <sighs> and if you think that these snakes like to spend their winters solo, you are wrong. No, they get up, they get up in a snake knot, a snake ball. It's worse than what you are thinking. This particular brand of snake. <laughs> this particular brand of asshole. <laughs> they sleep in like a big pile. Yeah. Once they find a nice winter home, they like to hang out there. 
for the next 25 years. <laughs> they have sexual intercourse, which results in a bunch of disgusting little snake babies. Then they return to that home. Every winter? Um, yeah, like it's a favorite vacation spot. <gasps> and soon, word gets out in the little snake community about this hot snake hangout <laughs> because... Hot snake sex pad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because the snakes release musk. a musk. <laughs> and it's like the calling card. And <laughs> so... That's what Jeff and Jody's home really was. It was a snake nightclub with no bouncer. (laughs) (laughs) But Jeff and Jody did not understand that yet. They thought they maybe had a manageable problem on their hands, so they reached out to Home Paramount Pest Control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they signed up for this snake treatment program. uh, They gotta kill it with fire. Yeah, they just burn the fucking house light, down. And hopefully you get insurance money. Yeah. So they signed up for the snake treatment program because apparently in rural areas, you know, it's not unheard of for to a, get a snake or two. Right. Um, How many snakes they got? Do you have a number? I don't have a number, but you're going to get a lot of details. <gasps> okay. I so wasn't even that scared of snakes before this case. <laughs> It really wasn't. But this is terrifying, right? It's horrible. So exterminators came out, and they were like, wow, this is pretty intense. (laughs) (laughs) They kept coming out, doing their little snake treatment, which I'm sure did jack shit. But as the weather got warmer, oh, the snakes started moving around more. They hatched. No, they hatched! Yes, of course they hatched. What do you think? What do you think they were doing? Oh. Told you they were having sexual intercourse. <laughs> sexual intercourse, and don't snakes lay eggs? They made love. Oh, I guess they. <laughs> As I mentioned, I did no googling of snakes. <laughs> this is... But maybe they lay fertilized eggs. Maybe they do bang. I don't know. Don't Google it. Oh, well, you can Google it. Let I guess. See. Go Let ahead. Let me find out here. Snakes bang. How do snakes? Oh, how do snakes mate? Yeah, snake sex. <laughs> oh god! Oh, they do have sexual intercourse. Thank you. They copulate the same way many other animals do. The male mounts the female, but they remain entwined for several hours of mating before they go their separate individual ways. Oh god. Can you imagine coming across two intertwined fucking snakes? What? Yeah, so this the eggs they lay are... What? Already fertilized. But some snakes carry their eggs inside their body and give birth to live... They hatch the eggs inside their body and then pop a little snake out. <laughs> and then like it... Mm-mm. Mm. So my search history now. I'm gonna get snake orgy pictures <laughs> in my ads. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know these snakes are moving and grooving in yeah, banging Jeff and Jody's right. house. You know, like they're getting ready for swimsuit season. And Jeff and Judy were just Jody. I'm sorry, were disgusted, <laughs> horrified. Then one day in April, oh no, what happens? They spotted what happens. <laughs> they spotted a snake. 
like casually coming out of their house, just like out of their house. It's like see you, see you later, Jeff. And yeah, I'll be back bye, guys. <laughs> the next oh, no, the next week. See you later, Ruby. <laughs> In a way, the snakes. I mean, the snakes have lived there longer than they have. Uh, it's the snake's house. It's the snake's house. They're just humans who like bought a snake den. <laughs> the next week, they found a seven foot snake in their basement. Mm-mm. I would die. Yeah, and then the snake would eat you. Sure. <laughs> uh, the exterminator exterminators came, killed it, left. I shit you not, one hour later, a four-foot-long snake crawled out of the woodwork of their basement. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> the manager of the local branch of that pest control was company... Like, we can no longer help you. I'm very sorry. He said, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you need you to call somebody else. <laughs> here's what here's what happened. This is uh the pest control crew took out drywall in the basement. Because you know they knew yeah. they were in the walls. Okay. So they found all these snake dens in the walls, and they found snake tunnels in the insulation. And they were like, okay, this is not a basement problem. This, this is, is a whole house problem. So they go upstairs, <clears throat> start taking down more drywall. They find more dens, more tunnels. Snakes huh, were tunneling through the insulation all the way from the basement up to the roof. Oh! There were snake highways in this home. Oh, my gosh. Finally, a snake inspector came and was like, yeah. You're going to have to give him the house. Yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, they have a fair and square. <laughs> Uh, the, and so the snake looked at what's his name, Jody, and Jeff, and was like, "Let's go to court." I've lived in this house for twenty five years. <laughs> no, so the snake inspector was like, "Okay, this house is infested. It's not safe for children. Get the hell out of here." Yeah, I don't know that the person said hell, but my God, yeah, probably. I could have told him it was. I think infested. they probably said GTFO. Yeah. By that point. Jeff and Jody had been in the home for all of four months. Oh, my gosh. They'd had enough. They grabbed their shit. They hightailed it out of that hellhole and over to Jody's parents' house. And then they said, let's go to court. So the more they thought about it, the more certain they became that real estate agent Barbara Van Horn lied to them and knew about this. Yeah. She had to have known. So they basically came to this realization she hadn't gone over to the house to unlock it to make sure it was presentable. Well, I guess they had. She had, but like to make, make sure, sure there were no snake snakes free. around. Yeah. Jeff and Jody's legal team did some digging, and it didn't take long to figure out that before Jeff and Jody bought the home, it had been rental property. And you're not going to believe this, but the people who rented it had definitely experienced snake problems. And guess what? Their landlady was Barbara Van Horn. Oh! Oh! One set of renters were this couple named Jay and Amy. And they lived at the house with their six-year-old daughter. Oh, my gosh. They moved to Annapolis from California because Jay had just gotten this job teaching sailing at the Annapolis Yacht Club. Mm -hmm. And, like, right away when they moved in, they found a snake in the house. So Jay says he called Barbara 
And he was like, uh, what's the deal with this snake? And she was like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a rural setting. It's the country. Snakes happen. There might be one or two in the house. <sighs> so this was the first time that Jay and Amy had ever lived on rural property. Mm-hmm. And so and, they're like, maybe this is real. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing that Barbara was so laid back about it that they were just kind of like, oh, I guess this is normal, maybe? They rented the house for five years. Yeah. The whole time, they continued to find snakes and snake skins and snake droppings, <clears throat> which are apparently called scat. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Most of the snakes they found were between three and four feet long. It's too big. <laughs> it's too big. <laughs> Jay says he heard a rumor that a previous owner of the home had an aquarium of snakes say, in the like basement. Sna- is this how it started? It was a snake breeder? So this is what he heard, that like there was this aquarium full of snakes. The snakes busted out of the aquarium and infested the walls. Turns out that was not true. It was just a rumor. But I can understand why yeah. you would think that. Yeah. So Jay and Amy lived in the Snake Hotel until 2013, and at that point, a new couple rented the place. Rich and Kim. P.S. Rich and Kim now refer to that house as the Snake House. Wow! Which you should. Yeah. The first week they moved into the house, Rich and Kim's little daughter came up to them and said, There's a worm on my window. So they went and checked it out, and it was not a worm. It was a baby snake. snake. (sighs) Pretty soon winter came, and things seemed normal in the house. Then the weather heated up, and guess what? There were snakes everywhere. Rich said he found big snakes, like four and a half feet long downstairs. Meanwhile, don't worry, I am almost finished. Meanwhile, Kim was disgusted. She kept finding snake poop on the floor, and she'd be bleaching the house constantly. Nightmare. They told Barbara, the landlady, what was happening, and Barbara called an exterminator. But it didn't work. Yeah. Because it's infested. Yes. Yeah, you can't just, like, remove one snake. Rich and Kim were pissed. This didn't seem like a new problem. No. And they were upset that it wasn't being addressed to their satisfaction. Mm-hmm. As in, light this thing on fire. On fire, yeah. At one point, Rich was so mad that he took a dead snake and dropped it on Barbara's door. Yeah. Uh-huh. Finally, Rich decided just to seal off the basement. That was where the snakes seemed to be coming from. So he figured, you know, we just seal it off. We don't go down there. They, that's where the snakes yeah. can live. We'll leave, live everywhere else. That didn't work. A short while later, Kim and her teenage daughter were hanging out at home when they saw a snake coming up the stairs. <gasps> so they ran out of the house, and a neighbor came over and removed that snake from the house. And in case anyone out there is thinking, oh, maybe this whole neighborhood might just be crawling with snakes. No. Okay, that neighbor said... Look, I've seen a couple snakes out in my yard over the past 35 years, but never one in my home. Uh-huh. Did I ever tell you about the time I was living in North Carolina and there was like a shack of snakes next? Oh, God. Okay. So Norman would always mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. And he always said... 
that there were snakes in the yard. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I parked our car in like this driveway area uh-huh. and I would have to walk. That's where I usually in park the, mine too. Well, he parked his on the street. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so I walked through the grass to oh. get into the house. <gasps> I never saw a snake. Okay. So. Yeah. And part of that I think is my mind saving me yeah. myself yeah. from this kind of thing. Anyway, one day I came home from work on my lunch break and the house next to us had been rented, but then like, I think the tenants like up and left or whatever. Yeah. And I saw these guys, like, over in the shed working on it. And finally, one of them came to the back door. He knocks. He was wearing, and by the way, sweating profusely, wearing a pair of overalls, no shirt underneath, which is the most disgusting thing ever. So hot. And he says to me, (laughs) 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 ma'am. Ma'am, you better stay away from that shed over there. There's a whole mess of snakes in that <laughs> shed. <laughs> and I freaked out. I freaked out. Of course you did. Because he's saying, there's a whole mess of snakes. It's just snakes on snakes on snakes. And I I was an asshole because a nice person would be like, hey, thank you for telling me. I was like, I wish you had not told me that. Yeah. Like, it was just, oh, it's too much. <laughs> I really didn't want to know. Like I, I just. Oh God! How many snakes do you think were in there? It was a whole mess of snakes, Brandy. Snakes which, on snakes on snakes. Which southern, southern speak for too many, so many. I'm sure it was just all snakes. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure it was a shed made of snakes. <laughs> okay, so Rich and Kim. They tried sealing off the basement. Yeah. They tried talking to Barbara. And then in the span of two weeks, they found 10 snakes fuck in the that. house. No. And Bye. they were like, okay, that's exactly yeah. what I have in my notes. I was like, and they were like, fuck this. Goodbye. <laughs> so they left the house in June of 2014. And of course, as we now know, Jeff and Jody bought the house in the winter of that year. Mm-hmm. So Jeff and Jody suddenly learned all this history about the yeah. snake house. And they were like, this is bullshit. Yeah. So they sued Barbara for $2 million. Yeah. In civil court absolutely absolutely barbara doesn't have two million dollars but okay i think they should bring back the death penalty for this (laughs) i'm just kidding barbara although good grief (laughs) they alleged that barbara knew that the house was infested with snakes and withheld that information yes that's very clear so the one thing i have to apologize to everybody about is this is very light on the court stuff very heavy on the snakes yeah over time, they dropped their lawsuit to $1.5 million. I'm not sure why. I would have bumped it to $5 million. But anyway, <laughs> in September of 2015, they entered mediation. Nobody really wanted a trial. It would be great if they could reach a settlement. Yeah. But they couldn't agree on oh anything. Oh, my gosh. Barbara so, didn't think she owed them anything? Good grief. Fucking I, Barbara. I, yeah, I'm not a fan. No. Not a fan. That, what happened was horrible. Horrible. What? Yeah, it sucks. Uh, Okay, you were making a face. No. Okay. I mean, I'm not clutching my chest quite as much as you are. I've I've been clutching my chest a lot. (laughs) So by November 2016, they were headed for a trial, like literally days away from a trial. But then, at the very last minute, they reached a settlement. Mm -hmm. How much? confidential. Fuck. I know. I hate that. What do you think? How much do you think? $750,000. 
I mean, it makes me so mad. Because to me, there's like not enough. Not enough there's money. There's not yeah. enough money in yeah. the world. Yeah. If somebody was going to pay you $10 million to stay in that house for one night, could you do it? $10 million? For one night. Yeah, I could do it. In the height of snake season. Oh, God. Oh, God. I would. Oh. I, that would do, it would be terrible. But for $10 million. You think you could do it? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think you could do it either. <laughs> I couldn't stay in the spider house. Yeah, I I would lose my mind. And then the $10 million would go to, like, therapy or something. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so the case was dismissed without with prejudice. Meaning or maybe you'd come out there no longer being afraid of snakes. Maybe it'd be like immersion therapy or whatever. I mean, that, I don't know. I, I <laughs> you don't. Know when they make people hold a spider because yeah, they're I afraid know. of spiders? Or they make you stick your hand in a tank of snakes? Yeah. That sounds awful. It does. I... I and can't imagine you, a scenario where I become friends with the they snakes. They make you sit in a circle, like with, like in the middle of a circle with clowns dancing around you, <laughs> and none of them murder you. <laughs> <laughs> but oopsies, one does because they're all creepy. <laughs> and you're like, I knew I should I be afraid. I knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> so that's the extent of the legal stuff. Yeah. But would you like to know what happened to this house? Uh, yeah. So Barbara Van Horn works for Champion Realty, but and according to the property records dug up by the Capital Gazette, Champion Realty bought the house from Jeff and Jody for the exact price they paid for it mm-hmm. in December of 2014. They say that they hired experts to determine where the snakes were entering the home, and they sealed all of those entrances. The well, assist- they just cover the house in duct tape? How can you be sure? <laughs> um, I don't know, but I don't trust it I one bit. Either. The assistant manager for Champion Realty told the newspaper that the house... I'm sorry, the assistant manager is making the official statement? I'm sorry, I, I threw that in to be shitty, but yes, it's true. <laughs> this person said that the house didn't have a snake problem. It had a mouse problem. And the snakes were... <laughs> And the snakes were just coming in after the mice. No! Which, like, okay, even if that's true, what the fuck? No wonder Peter is not the manager of Champion Realty. <laughs> I realize you didn't say his name, but I'm guessing it, he's a Peter. Yeah, he sounds like a Peter to me. <laughs> the company spent $90,000 renovating the home, and now they say it's not a snake house, it's a great house. Oh my <laughs> gosh! They knocked down walls, they gave it a makeover, and on April 20th of 2017... 420! Yes, they put it on the market (laughs) for $429,000. Has it sold? Four days later, it was under contract. Wow. So in other words, if you want to buy the Snake Airbnb, I'm sorry, you can't. It's already been bought in. (laughs) Um, so go ahead and Google it now, because now it's like the made-over, and I'm wondering if you find it charming enough that you would go live there. Snake hat. Oh, it is a modest ranch. I know. Really, right? Super modest. Or 
Are we calling this a ranch? That's it's really okay. a California split, isn't it? What they called it in the articles, which I did not like, they called it a rancher. A rancher! Which I found very confusing. Because <laughs> a rancher is a person. That is a person. I thought when you walked in like this, it's either like a side-by-side split or a California split. Yeah, to us, that's a California split. Yeah. I don't know how they do it in Annapolis. I mean, what do they call it in California? A snake den. Just a split. (laughs) You're so proud of that joke. Look at you. Look at you. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it looks made over. Yeah. Great. Great. I'm sure the snakes love it. Yeah. I'm sure the snakes are loving their new sex pad. <laughs> I just spat everywhere. Is it on the water? I think it's near water. Mm-hmm. Are you tempted? No! Okay. <laughs> the screened in porch is nice. You think it's snake free? I would never call this a ranch. Okay, well, this is the problem. I'm not we have upset at you. Case. No, I'm in no way upset at you. I would just never call this a ranch. We just, we don't, that's not what we do here. Yeah, that's not how we do it here in the Midwest. In the Midwest. Yeah, it's not that far from water. Burley Creek looks pretty close. So, as I was researching this case, I started to think about an infestation that I had when I rented an apartment many years ago. Baby mice. No. So one day, because initially I was, I was reading these stories and I was like, how did people find a snake in the house and stay there? And then I remembered one time when I was living in North Carolina, I came home and there was like this thing kind of not on the ceiling, but like up against the wall Uh on the ceiling. And it was like an inch and a half long, this like brown thing. Kind of like tube shaped. Uh I was like, what is that? It looked so weird to me. So I went and got a broom and I kind of knocked it. And the thing flapped its wings and flew around my living room. It was a fucking bat. Holy shit! It was a bat. Have I not told you this story? Okay, so I... Oh, I lost my mind. I, you know, threw the door open, managed to get the thing out. I I was, I was losing my mind. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, that happened one time Uh and I was like, oh my God, I must have like left the door open too long when I was bringing in groceries or something and a bat got in. Yeah. Oh my God. Terrible. Okay. Norman and I hadn't been dating for very long at all. Like we're talking like a couple months. One day. I woke up to go to work. Yeah. I went into, so I had my clothes in like another room. Yeah. Because this apartment was like way too big for me. But yeah. like there are like five apartments that you can rent in Elizabeth City. Yes. And this was one of them. I went in there and I had a pair of black tights that I wanted to wear. <laughs> I'm so scared. So I had this pair of black tights that I wanted to wear with my skirt. And so, but I noticed that there was like a black sock that was stuck in the tights. So I re- reached in. With a bat? You touched a bat? Do you have rabies? Did you ever get 18 shots? So I reached in to grab the sock. As I was pulling it out of my tights, the sock moved and I screamed and I flung it to the ground. It went splat on the carpet, wings out. I lost my mind. Yeah! Peanut, Peanut came running in. Norman came running in. 
freaking out. Norman got like a thing of Tupperware from my kitchen and like scooped the bat yeah. out. And okay, a side note. He then tried to like wash the Tupperware. No, and that's it, trash yeah. now. Yeah. That belongs to the garbage. It's like he thought it was like $5 million Tupperware. No. no. <laughs> Goodbye forever yes. Tupperware. So the funny thing is, as I said, there were like five apartments for rent in Elizabeth City. And so Norman had actually rented that apartment like a year earlier. And he had had a bat when he was he there? He had had bat problems. <gasps> so I talked to my landlords and I said I'd have had bat problems. And my landlords were so shitty and they were like trying to act like this was some new thing. And that maybe I had left my clothes out in the Ouch. laundry area. So the, the laundry area was kind of like on a screened in porch. But oh, like okay. I didn't leave my clothes out. Yeah. So anyway... The real reason they were pissed was because at the time, um, that morning, when I had the bat in my tights, I was supposed to write a column for the paper. And so that's what I wrote it about, because it was such a crazy story. Yeah. And I didn't say the name of the apartment building, but I think, you know, people figured it out. When you got five, it's just, you know, process of elimination. So I moved out of there. Yeah. A new guy moved in. He ended up having to get rabies shots. Well, I'm concerned that you touched a bat and didn't. You know, I I seriously thought about getting the rabies shots, but I I ended up not getting them. Did he say, let's go to court and sue the... Last I heard, he was thinking about doing that. And they were... This couple who owned this place, they were... Anyway, this is a, this is a long, winding story. But at, at one point, I remember I was... <laughs> So I was the education reporter, mm-hmm. and this, like, pest control guy ran for school board. And he told me this story of how he had gone to that apartment building to deal with the bats because he'd gotten complaints. And my old landlord told him that he would go up into the attic, which, of course, was infested with bats, with a shop vac, and suck up all the bats with it. You know, this is a pest control guy. And that guy was just like, sir, you got to stop talking to me. (laughs) It was, I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible. So I, I feel for people who are renting places that are infested. I I mean, oh, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's the story of the snake house. And your bad apartment. Fuck. Did I never tell you that? No. You think I'd be friends with you still if I knew you touched a bat and gave me shot? <laughs> Podcast adjourned. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I remember I went to emergency care, and I I can't remember how the whole thing went down. And they were like, "Ma'am, you're fine." <laughs> I think really, I'm so afraid of shots that I think I heard 18 shots yes, to 18 your guts, shots. and I was like, "Nope, thank you, no thanks." Who fuck beans? Yeah, that was not great, huh? No. Um, should we answer some questions? Yeah. What do we got? Well, hit me with your best, best questions. questions. <laughs> Why don't you hit me with your best questions? You guys, if you haven't signed up for our Patreon yet, you're missing the sweet picture of Kristen and I oh. at sophomore homecoming yeah brandy's mom um and in case you're like wow i don't i won't know who's brandy brandy's mom is in the discord her username is brandy's mom that's correct 
<laughs> Posted a picture of us looking so fly. Super fly. Norm said I can hear Casey and JoJo in the background of this picture. <laughs> Did you notice how color coordinated you were? I know. And why am I so tan? You were super tan. Um, I remember being that tan. I remember you being that tan. You looked lovely that year. And mm. I was wearing like the exact same dress as our friend Christine, which yeah. was like. You guys are like the sandwich. You guys yes. are on one end. But like, why the hell? You know what? Okay, my dress was $10 from Burlington Coat Factory, and I felt like I couldn't pass it up. That's my favorite dress I ever wore to a dance. Yeah, that was my favorite on you, too. Yeah. I remember we you were with me when I picked it out. Was I? Where did yeah, you? we went to Dillard's at Oak Park Mall, oh. and I was like, I don't know, it's pretty racy. And you were like, it's the dress. <laughs> and and it was on clearance for like something crazy cheap. Well, yeah, we obviously had no money. We had, so no, yeah, we had zero dollars. Anything we wore was crazy yeah. cheap. Ooh, Brooke asks, what is your favorite restaurant in Kansas City? Mm-hmm. Love it. Love the question. Okay, if you're visiting from out of town, you have to go to Joe's KC. Absolutely. That, in my opinion, is the best barbecue place. Yes, but we disagree on the best thing to get there. And so Brandy's wrong. Um, Yours is the more famous one, obviously. You get the Z-Man. Mm-hmm. Z-Man, which is oh, brisket, provolone cheese, an onion ring on top. Here's my big beef with that. Okay. Let's see what I did there. Oh, God. Yeah. Very clever, Brandy. I Amazing. Like, I don't like cheese and barbecue together. Yeah. Well, I get what the do hog. I get the hog heaven, mm-hmm. which is pulled pork and sausage with a healthy dose of barbecue sauce on it. It's so good. Okay. That does sound really good. It's now. so <laughs> good. <laughs> um, if you want like a fancy, a fancy thing. Gold Knox. We love the Gold yeah, Knox. It's, it's a so steakhouse. cool. It's this awesome steakhouse. It's in the Stockyards District. And it's like, you like feel like you need to order an old fashioned like the minute you walk through the door. Which, of course, I did. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, it's a really cool building. It's a cool, yeah, it's super cool. And just like cool atmosphere. For Italian, I like Garozzo's. Yeah. Big fan. Delicious. Really, there are so many good restaurants in Kansas City, except for the one that um, gave us... Yeah, which somebody's asked us to name, and we're not going to do. Well, okay. So what we're talking about is the time we went out for hot wings, and yeah. it was a disaster. Lots of toilet time afterward. Yes. Someone asked us in the in the Discord, or actually, no, it was on Patreon. Yeah. They asked us, what was the name of the restaurant? Yeah. And I named it on there, but I don't want to oh, okay. say it on yeah. air. Because, I don't want to say it on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. On air. Trying to get, try, we're trying to get sponsored. Man, <laughs> <laughs> by saying that, we're doing nothing. Yes. <laughs> we're just trying to put out quality, you know, quality content and not make people pissed at us and get no cease and desist. <laughs> preferably. Shanna asks, I'm curious, if you had the chance to snap your fingers and make or change a law, what would it be? Hmm. Hmm. I know what mine would be. You do? Yeah. I would get rid of the statute of limitations. Yeah. Particularly when it comes to sex crimes. Yeah. I I don't understand why there's a statute of limitation on sex crimes. It's ridiculous. I maintain that whoever made it was like a rapist. Probably. Really? I mean, like, why? And that guy must have been sweating when he came out with that idea. He's like, hey, guys. I have this crazy idea. I'm hoping a couple of you are rapists, too. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, the idea that you can... That enough time has passed that a, you, the, a oh, crime doesn't you matter. doesn't matter anymore? Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's a really good answer. It's, I don't you. have a better one than that. Well, in your face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. 
Mm. If you're not fired up enough about that, you should go watch The Keepers. Yeah. Yeah. Available on Netflix. That's what really got me fired up about statute limitations. Uh, yeah, you know what? It did me too. Mm-hmm. It did me too because the violations still occur. Yeah. You're, you're still dealing with the ramifications of the violation. Absolutely. Why would an arbit? Yeah, oh, twenty some, years exactly. Past, 15 past, years it doesn't matter anymore. Too bad. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anne asks, "What are your favorite books? Doesn't have to be true crime related. I'm looking for some summer reading suggestions. LOL." Um, uh, my favorite book that I have read in the past, mm-hmm. probably couple years, Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter. I love Karen Slaughter. She's like a mystery writer. Mm-hmm. Pretty Girls blew my fucking mind. I also love Gillian Flynn. I read all of her books before Gone Girl. Just, oh, I liked, I liked Gillian Flynn before Gillian Flynn was cool. Mm, good for you. Mm. I read Sharp Objects first, and then Dark Places, and then Gone Girl. And you're weird because you don't think Gone Girl was her best book. I don't. I think Dark Places was her best, but it's super fucking dark. Yeah, I think you're crazy for thinking Gone Girl no. is not her best work. No. We've had this discussion before. We're never going to. We're never going to agree. Mm-hmm. So... The book I read like every year, Mm -hmm. and it's just like a good, fun summer read. Yeah. Nora Ephron's book, Heartburn. Mm. Have I told you about Heartburn? Okay. So in real life, she was married to Carl Bernstein, who Mm -hmm. was one of like the deep throat reporters, guys. So, you know, they had this like famous-ish marriage. I believe they had a child, and she was pregnant Mm -hmm. with their second child when she found out that he'd been having an affair. Oh, wow. And what she did, you know... It obviously just shattered her. Mm-hmm. But she took like a year. Yeah. And she went and wrote this book called Heartburn. And it's fiction. Yeah. And it is technically fiction. I yeah. mean, she doesn't use anybody's real names, but it is hilarious. It's the story of a woman who yeah. finds out that her husband is cheating on her. Yeah. It's so, so good. So well done. I have a book that I read like every year, too. What is it? Uh, maybe it's embarrassing because it's like a young adult novel. No, who cares? Looking for Alaska. I love it. It's by John Green. It's maybe my favorite book I've ever read. Um, I read it like every year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm And I cry every time I read it. I cry more in books. Yeah. 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 What was the book that I forced you to read? I always forget the names of books. The really creepy one. Oh, first of all, Educated by Tara Westover is an excellent book. It's a memoir. Yeah. But what was the creepy one that I made you read? You? Yes. 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 There is this book called You. Which I think the whole world has heard about now because of the Netflix slash Lifetime show. But Uh, the book's so much better. The book is amazing. Yeah. Don't sleep on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll be be that for questions. It's all good. Uh, I think we've got some work to do. What do you mean? Some inductions. (gasps) Oh, yes. Yes. Were you really? Did you really not know what I meant? I totally forgot. (laughs) Before we start the inductions, I want to hit a couple of points real quick. If you're wondering how the fuck you get inducted, mm-hmm. you have to head on over to our Patreon and join up at the Supreme Court level. And we've had a couple of people that are like, hey, I think I answered the ice cream one and I didn't hear my name yet. We had so many people answer that. So we had to, you know, we had a cutoff. We did so many on that. We'll do so many on the Zodiac. So if you answered one of the questions already and you, we didn't induct you. The next time we post one, get yourself in there. Yeah. Insert yourself wherever you feel comfortable. Ooh. Ooh. And don't worry. 
If you're a member of the Supreme Court, you will be inducted. Oh, 100%. We will get to all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this round of inductions, we will be reading uh, the inductees' names and their zodiac sign. M.K. Harris. Cancer. Yana. Sagittarius. Taylor Dean, the Crab King. Cancer. Do you think he's the Crab King because he likes crab, or is it because the cancer sign? Isn't the cancer sign a crab? Yeah, it's for sure because of the cancer sign. That's well, why I was know. thinking. Maybe would... he's like the king of crabs. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Maybe he's got like some Taylor, itching. Taylor, let Taylor, us know. Do you have some itching? <laughs> Mondo. Taurus. Lillian. Taurus. April. Aries. Sarah Dyer. Scorpio. We're the assholes. We sure are, Sarah. <laughs> Holly Barnett. Libra. Welcome to the Supreme Court! Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this episode, maybe it's your first time. Maybe you don't know all of this information. I'm going to tell you. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know, just zone out for the next 30 seconds or so. Oh, no. Uh, It's the same thing I say all the time, Kristen. You wouldn't know because you've never said it. Hey. (laughs) Guys. Hey, why don't you f- pop on over and find us on social media? We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube, we're on Reddit. Um, we are on Patreon. Uh, and then, you know, we're still working on those iTunes goals. We like you to leave us reviews. Um, and Good ones, If you please. think we're super cool, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a review. And then uh, you know what to do. Join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from wonderful reporting in the Capital Gazette. And I got my info from the Crime Library, the Indie Star, and an article by William DeLong. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff.